All right, buddy. Uh, let's kick it over. We teased it enough. Zach Goodall from the All Gators talking some Florida football. I felt like I owed this one to the fans, Shane, after bashing them for the last couple weeks. <laughs> All right, we're pleased to be joined once again by Zach Goodall. You know him from All Gators, part of the Sports Illustrated Network. Covers, of course, the Florida Gators. We got to connect with Zach at SEC Media Days, and Cousin Shane gave him the nickname, the man with the golden locks. Zach, thank you so much for joining the show once again. Really appreciate it. Absolutely, Mike. Thanks so much for having me. Um, yeah, we were talking about it before the show, but I think since the last time I was on the show, my hair is uh, honestly doubled in length. <laughs> so I'm very uh, honestly, I'm curious to see where it's at in two and a half months when we link back up in Nashville. Yeah, no, that should be a good time, man. Well, uh, I do want to ask you a lot about spring football, but we just had the NFL draft, so that's kind of fresh on everybody's mind. The Gators had six players selected, and of course, Anthony Richardson, number four overall. Um, after you know watching uh, the team and Anthony Richardson intimately the last season, are you surprised at all that he went number four? I mean, at any point you're watching him, did you say this is a top five pick in the NFL draft? What, what was your reaction to that? I mean, as crazy as it sounds, yeah, absolutely. I thought going back to last spring when I first started seeing him that he had the potential at the very least to be a, a top five, top 10 pick. Just from what you see, what the NFL wants in its passers nowadays is just not only being a passer, but being a dynamic rusher, being much bigger than small, unless you're a special one-of-a-kind quarterback like a, like a Bryce Young, like a Kyler Murray, Drew Brees. Uh, but they want to see these guys that are 6'4", 240, and can run all over the place, not to mention be able to throw the ball 80 yards. Uh, and that's what Anthony Richardson does. It obviously didn't come together at Florida. I mean, we remember after the Utah game, I think we talked before the Kentucky game, and I, I was drinking the Kool-Aid. There, there were Heisman odds out there for the guy. And it, it made sense because Florida players or Florida fans, excuse me, hadn't seen a quarterback talent like that before. Even Tim Tebow, as dynamic as he was, you know, he wasn't the upper echelon athlete that literally broke as many records as he could, I guess, at the NFL combine like Anthony Richardson. It was just it was unheard of. It was unseen. And that's why he went this high. Ultimately, you know, we're going to look back in a few years and maybe Florida will have found success under Billy Napier. Maybe it won't. And if it's the latter we're going to be looking at Anthony Richardson. If he's got as much as even a little bit of success at the NFL level, we're going to sit back and wonder, you know, why did that go to waste here? Why, why did that go six and seven and lose to Vanderbilt? You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you went there. Cause that was my next question with six players drafted. Um, and, you know, it's fair to say, you know, clearly not the best roster in the SEC, but far from the worst. Um, it, what's the general buzz right now in Gainesville? Is it that, Napier kind of didn't get the most out of the, out of these players or that uh, uh, I don't know what what's the buzz that you're sensing from the Florida fan base yeah I think it really depends on who you talk to I mean from a media perspective with what we get to see of spring practice you know we, we really only get to see routes on air one-on-ones in simulated situations so like I couldn't sit here and tell you where the team is genuinely better or worse other than just purely looking at box scores and, and what I saw out of these players last year, whether they were at Florida or elsewhere. Um, but again, yeah, you, you look at this draft list, six guys drafted, including a top five quarterback where, you know, he's all boom or bust. He's the guy that we're going to look back on. Um, as I said earlier, 
Um, Jermon Dexter, similar, a, a guy who didn't really meet his five-star ceiling here, but was a second round pick because teams think that there's a lot left, uh, that's not been, you know, tapped yet. That's not been figured out. Um, Osiris Torrance is a bragging right for the staff, no doubt, just what he was able to do at Louisiana and, and did here. Um, in the rest of those picks, you know, some were flyers on potential. Some were based on what they've proven over the years. They had another four undrafted guys sign contracts out of their 11 total prospects. So, it's it, it fans are they have mixed emotions because the thought process when Billy Napier came in was that this roster was just not in Florida shape. It wasn't in SEC shape and, and a lot will give him the benefit of the doubt. Rightfully so. He committed to coming in and flipping this roster no matter what was here, what was expected to come through, what had been here. Uh, he committed to 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 bringing in the players that fit his vision. And we're ultimately going to see in 2023 what that looks like because we are now well over uh, in terms of the 85 man roster well over 50 percent of it is players that napier has brought in now after spring i, I love to put out my uh, updated post-spring sec power rankings and i got florida number 12 if, if memory serves right the only teams i got higher or, or excuse me lower auburn and vanderbilt and uh you quote tweeted me i'm gonna read the entire tweet here damn <laughs> <laughs> was that a reaction to you think Florida's a lot better you I don't know what what's your do you agree I mean what's your thoughts on right now and and, and just so you're aware my power rankings how I kind of do it if team A were to meet team B on a neutral field who's going to win that game that's the only metric I use so what's your thoughts on Florida being number 12 in the SEC right now yeah it wasn't necessarily in disagreement whatsoever it's more of like a damn, I'm 24, 25 years old, and I can't think of one time in my life where Florida's ever been outside of the top 10 in a preseason right. uh, ranking list. But you make a valid point. I mean, you could reasonably argue that just based off of last year alone, Florida and Vanderbilt could swap spots. Now you can make that argument with other teams in Florida as well in games that Florida won, but Vanderbilt handled florida last year convincingly you know this is just not the team that florida fans had grown accustomed to over the years i mean it kind of sounds like beating a dead horse everyone says this is not you know your father and mother's florida gators football team anymore but at the end of the day it's what billy napier committed to so i wrote plenty last year that it was going to be a rough year this was just what they had signed up for. They they committed to a seven-year contract with Billy Napier, understanding that at least that first year, maybe that second year, is truly going to be a flipping, a purging of the roster. And number 12 in the SEC entering year two, you know, it's, that can be a product of it, without a doubt. It, it makes sense. And, and I'm sure they're inspired, and I'm sure the internal thought is that they're going to be better than number 12 in the SEC. Maybe these... 30-some player acquisitions, scholarship player acquisitions will make them, you know, rank well above that when the time comes. But I, I can't argue. I, I really can at this point. So exiting spring, Zach, everything you've seen from and heard and reported from Graham Mertz and Jack Miller, if you had to make a guess on who starts week one, if it's – I assume it's going to be one of those two guys. Which, which way would you lean right now? And, again, we're recording – you know, early May here. Yeah, I think I'd go with Mertz uh, only because as, of his experience. I mean, from what we could see in spring practice, com um, 
you know, paired with what you hear, you know, behind the scenes, uh, talking to people in the building, I don't think either of the quarterbacks really, you know, gained any, you know, they, they weren't further ahead than the other in terms of what they were putting on the field necessarily. It was pretty even, um, which, you know, can be cause for concern. Maybe Florida fans read that as, you know, these guys are both solid and pushing each other. That's up to you guys, but one way or another, like, they, they don't have a guy solidified at this point. And I think if anything, if there's no one edging the other one out in terms of what they're putting on the field, they're just going to go with the guy that started for three years uh, in the Big Ten. You know, Obviously had a share of ups and downs, but won some games, had some promising moments. And they, ultimately, I would think that'll give them a better chance to win. It's just someone that's been there, done that, understands the scheme. And that's what they credit him for. Uh, they don't really say too much about his physical talent around here, but <clears throat> they say since the day he got in here, uh, he's been first one in, last one out in the classroom, uh, helping teammates get better. Even though he's a new member of the scheme, he's already helping players gain a better comfort uh, within it with him at quarterback. So with that in mind, I would think that he's probably got the upper hand. Any surprise that they've not added another quarterback or is that kind of anticipated after both guys essentially transferred in although one is a year removed or or maybe not surprised because really when you look at the market there's not a lot of there's not no a quarterback sitting there you know yeah I um you know going back to December uh, Billy Napier said when Anthony Richardson first declared uh it was just a talking point at that time uh there was the Jalen Kitna situation and Marcus Stokes situation. So the the room was a bit in flux, but there was no anticipation of a Jaden Rashada situation, of a Graham Mertz transfer. Bottom line, long story short, at that time, Billy Napier said he'd like four scholarship quarterbacks on his team at all times, maybe even five. Uh, right now they have three. And they've said, I mean, I've asked Billy Napier a couple times in press conferences if if the goal is to get that fourth before the season starts. And originally it was, you know, it seemed full steam ahead. Yes, we plan on trying to get someone from the transfer portal. We'll go from there. Uh, we get to the end of spring and Billy Napier is asked the same question after the spring game. And he gives a bit of a different answer. Uh, it's April 13th. That's before the transfer portal window opens. And he says the process of trying to find a fourth scholarship quarterback had already begun. That makes me think it may not be a transfer. And at this point, you know, you pair that with, like you said, there really aren't many options out there that are truly better than what you've got in Graham Mertz or, or Jack Miller at this point, it, would it be a waste to bring in someone, especially if they have multiple years of eligibility, would it be a wasted roster spot down the line to bring in a transfer? I, I'm just not too sure. Uh, and with that in mind, you know, unless we see a grad transfer pop up post transfer portal window, uh, I just don't think there's anyone out there that's worthwhile. And therefore I just don't think they'll bring one in. I think they'll, they'll stick with what they have. Maybe, maybe get a, a reclassification from their 2025 commit Austin Simmons only because he's a high school graduate. Basically he's, he's finished his high school classes. It technically is possible, although not guaranteed, but otherwise I just don't, I don't see any actual legitimate options for them to do that at this point. Mm. Well, to your credit, Zach, uh, when we did meet at SEC media days, because I'm an idiot, I had Florida second on my uh, SEC East ballot and, and you were not alone, but you were probably the most uh, taken aback by that. And you said, you know, I, I think you said Gators should around seven, six, seven, eight win. So you, you nailed it on that uh, aspect. So given that you nailed it 
previously, and and I know a lot can change. You know, what do you think is a realistic win total for the Gators this year with a difficult schedule, trip to Utah, Florida State on the rise? Um, I mean, I I have said this a couple of times, and I don't I'm not trying to sound hot takeish here, but I think they could be an underdog in seven, maybe even eight games. I don't think that's that's going too far. That's not to say they'll surely they'll not lose all those games, but um, I don't know what's what's a realistic win total you think for the Gators, knowing what we know right now. I, I tend to agree with you. You know, you look at what this team was last year. Um, and, and yes, there have been a lot of changes to the roster. There's reason to be inspired with the defense improving. But, you know, you, you look at a quarterback battle that can't be edged out in spring and ultimately someone's replacing the number four pick in the draft. Hopes just aren't super high. And, and there are other positions too. wide receivers under man. And it just lost a starting receiver to the portal and Xavier Henderson. Uh, other positions have lost uh, experience. And, and it's part of that flip. It goes back to. You got to understand that this is what Billy Napier was always going to do, whether it works or not, that this is going to happen. But as a result, you know, no one can really be blamed if the expectations are low entering this year. And I've done this exercise a few times pre-spring, post-spring. And every time I do it, I come away with a range of roughly anywhere from five and seven to seven and five. Uh, And it changes by the day. It changes by your feel for different teams. But yeah, that, that opening trip, Two pack 12 country. I mean, last time Florida did that, they granted uh, undermanned roster, but they lost 30 to three in the Las Vegas Bowl to Oregon State. So I can't bet on them to go and go over to the West Coast and win another game like that. Uh, Tennessee, even though it's at home, that's a team we saw rise significantly last year. I would have to pick Tennessee as a favorite now. Florida State's the same way, and you can make that argument with a lot of different teams. So it, I'll, I'll probably have a better feel, I'm sure, once we get to talk at SEC Media Days as to a more narrowed-down prediction, but anywhere in that five to seven win range feels about right for me right now at this time. How big of a surprise was it when Henderson went into the transfer portal? I, I, mean, I know we got per- Pearsall. I mean, he's a great player. Just signed a bunch of quality receivers that are making waves uh, in spring, but... It's a dangerous proposition in the SEC to rely on too many freshmen. Uh, How big of a surprise was it that Henderson uh, left the program? Exactly. It's got its gives and takes, right? You want to see these new receivers that have been brought in and have gotten really great reviews. I mean, Caleb Douglas played a role last year as a freshman, got, you know, some encouraging words about him. Uh, Andy Jean and Andy Mizell, Aiden Mizell, excuse me, uh, are two promising freshmen that came in and you want to see that. But at the end of the day, they have eight scholarship wide receivers, including one that's another freshman anticipated to roll this summer. That's just not that that's undermanned. You you can't move forward being drastically undermanned at a bunch of different spots. And and wide receiver is a perfect example of that. Uh, They lost a starting edge rusher, Antoine Powell, Ryland Jr. And that's another position where it's similar. You've got three high profile freshmen. You've got intriguing underclassmen or guys that are supposed to be going into their big year. and, And you don't feel as though it was a massive hit, but it absolutely can be. I mean, Antoine Powell and Xavier Henderson were proven players relative to the rest of this roster. It it absolutely can hurt. I am therefore, I'm still excited to see what these new players can bring to the table. But in hindsight, we can very easily look back in a few months and say, dang, they, they, they missed out. They lost some talent. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let me ask you this. 
Now, taking uh, Graham Mertz off the board because a quarterback, we assume, you know, he'll have a big impact. But who do you think is a, a new Gator? Could be a transfer, could be a, a high school signee that's going to make the biggest impact for Florida next season. And again, not counting Graham Mertz, who, if he does start, will make obviously a big impact on the team. Yeah, to give them their credit, I, I do think there are several transfers and freshmen that can make impacts for this team. Now, how great, how how significant, time will tell just how big of a role they can take on. But Cameron Jackson and Caleb Banks, the two defensive line transfers, respectively, from Memphis and Louisville, I would think they'll get first-team roles or, at the very least, a strong percentage of snaps. Uh, defensive line was a room that was seriously lacking depth last year. Jerron Dexter played way more than he ever should have. Maybe that's why he was only a second round pick because his testing was so good, but his production waned as he just got tired. Um, so I would think those guys can really help this defense as a whole just by keeping that room fresh. Um, I mean, offensive line obviously needed help. They, they lost four starters uh, and they weren't necessarily able to replace all of them. But a Micah Mazua or Mazuka, excuse me, from Baylor, who has starting experience, uh, Damian George and Keontae Goodwin are battling at right tackle. Uh, it, both of them SEC transfers from uh, Alabama and Kentucky. They they could both reasonably make a huge impact for this offense by stepping in and filling a void there. Among the freshmen, I, I spoke about the receivers. I think Andy Jean could honestly make a tremendous impact. As long as he's got sturdy quarterback play, I've been a fan of his going back to really his junior year of high school. I think he's a sharp route runner. Uh, solid size at six foot over 200 pounds as a true freshman and can run well. Uh, I think if any wide receiver or any freshman really on offense for that matter is able to step up, uh, it would be him. Um, and there are a couple other freshmen on both sides of the ball that really could make similar arguments. Uh, Kelby Collins from Alabama, uh, Jakeem Jackson, cornerback from Osceola. There, there are quite a few that that Florida is going to need young players and new players to step up immediately. And it's a tall task, especially for freshmen, but to give them their credit, I do think they do have a solid young talent pool that's coming here in the past three to four months. Let me ask you this. What do you think is the biggest uh, question that you had about this team entering spring that you think they solved exiting spring? That's a good question because I don't know if anything has been fully solved necessarily, but probably defensive line depth. I would say that just the presence of those two big bodies – uh, paired with the the entry of a lot of freshmen, uh, it's you got those three edge rushers, um, and then you should have another, I believe, two or three interior defensive linemen that are freshmen on top of the two transfers. They did a lot for that. And granted, some players will come along on different paces than others, but. Again, Jervon Dexter just played way too much. I think he had like 650 snaps last year at six foot six, 315 pounds. You just that's gonna wreck your defense. Even though it's just one player and he's a good player, that that'll do negatives to your defense if you can't offer him a bit of relief. Um and, and ultimately Florida's defense, I think everyone realizes needs to improve in a lot of ways. That's how it's gonna start, just by getting guys onto the field that are fresh and, and keeping the unit fresh at all times. And similar question, what do you think is the biggest question, Mark, that we just didn't solve in spring camp? And it sounds like there's there's quite a few of them. I, I think the easiest answer there is is got to be quarterback. Just because, again, from from a literal competition, what we've seen on the field standpoint, and granted, so much of that is more what you hear because of what we're unable to see as media. 
but you I, I genuinely don't have a feel for who is further along in terms of a pure what we've seen in your practice reps out of Graham Mertz and Jack Miller, and they don't have other options. They're not going to turn to Max Brown, I don't think, the redshirt freshman. Uh, they're not going to turn to a walk-on, even if uh, Austin Simmons were to reclassify. You know, he's 17 years old, highly rated as he may be. Obviously, they would never turn to that guy. So you got these two, and and you don't know who's going to be your starter by week one compared to last year. At this time, Billy Napier was telling everyone that he was getting the best sleep of his life knowing that Anthony Richardson was his quarterback. It, it, it's going to be the biggest question going into even SEC media days. I'm sure everyone's going to be asking him, do you have a feel? Do you know who your quarterback's going to be? All right, Zach, I really appreciate all your time. Just got one more question for you. I hate to, to be negative. So let's end on a high note here. Florida is getting a signature win. Billy Napier, he's going to he's going to uh, squash the doubters next fall. He's going to beat Georgia, LSU, or Florida State. Which one do you think is the most realistic and which one would the fan base get fired up about the most and I have to assume that would be Georgia. Oh, without a doubt, Georgia. <laughs> yeah. Imagine imagine they have the year that we're predicting, but then all of a sudden they beat Georgia. Like everyone's gonna forget every every game before that moment. Ever Billy Napier is winning this team a national championship, the whole nine. Um of the three that I think are most realistic, I'd say Florida State. You've got them at home. Um, you know, of those three teams, you could reasonably wonder if Florida State is going to regress a little bit uh, and you could wonder the same thing about LSU. Did they come out just way too hot last year and catch lightning in a bottle? You're not going to wonder that about Georgia, obviously. Um, and, and of those two games, Florida state's going to be the one at home that I think probably has a bit of a weaker roster compared to LSU. So I'd probably say that one. And for Billy's sake, I would hope that he's sprung in a couple of other or sprinkled in a couple of other solid wins along the way to end the season on a high note going into his third offseason in charge. Yeah, no doubt. And believe me, Zach, if I'm saying they're going to have a bad year, that's about as guaranteed that they're going to have a great year. So that Florida fans got that to look forward to. Before you go, can you tell everybody where's the best place to find all your work? Yeah, I mean – Full disclosure, maybe I caught lightning in a bottle last year too. I could be, I could be totally <laughs> off. Maybe, maybe this this element of surprise they've created by not letting us see too much of practice, it, it will end up making me look really dumb. But uh, if you guys want to read about my opinions on the team up until we we get to see it in action, and obviously well after, you guys can find my work at Zach underscore Goodall on Twitter, spelled Z A C H. Uh, and if you want to find it just a little easier, all in one place, go to allgators.com. All right, Shane, so a little bit of a downer interview. <laughs> I was hoping him to just yell and scream and call me an idiot but because uh, I am one. But I feel, I'm sensing some upsets after talking to Zach there. Uh, there's no reason we can't end the season on a high note beating them Seminoles. You know what? Yeah, man, them Gator fans. They they don't get to sit down that low in a, for a while. You know what I'm saying? It, it, it's yeah. tough, man. Ball fans, we've been there. Georgia fans have been there. Oh, yeah. You know, Alabama fans, maybe not so much in this lifetime, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> There's just about every fan base has gone through the dark years. Hell, look at Arkansas. You know, they, yeah. they, they're just now starting to see some light. So these programs, you, you know, it's a roller coaster. You're going to have ups and downs. 
but Georgia's or, or Florida's not going to stay stay down long, man. And uh, they're I, I think Billy may catch a few people, and I think that's the the the. That's the kind of cre- that's kind of the culture you have to have in that locker room. Us against the world, taking receipts right now. No one believes in us. Everyone doubts us. And then those, you know, if you can really get these guys playing as an absolute unit, yeah, there's going to be some Saturdays. They're going to catch boys off guard, and and I think that's where Florida Gators is at. Now they're not going to be there forever. But we're going to enjoy it while they're down there now, Mike. You know, the rest of the fan bases are enjoying it because they all remember the 90s, you know, <laughs> and nobody wanted to play the Gators back then.